You're listening to the Citrus Church Podcast. Now, here's the message. Uh, and that's kind of the, the idea of this whole series, is that we're looking at the things that happened after the resurrection of Jesus. And most of the Christian story knows about the fact that Jesus came back from the dead, and on Easter we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, right? Sometimes what we forget is that Jesus hung around for 40 more days after he came back from the resurrection, after the tomb, after Easter, and spent time with his followers and disciples teaching and being present. And and of all the things that Jesus was doing, the purpose of, of him being there was so that he could be closer and so that his disciples would know that they are not alone. This was uh, the message of the gospel, the good news that Jesus came to share is that God is with us always, no matter what. And so when Jesus shows up, he shows up in exciting and surprising and sometimes confusing ways. And as we look at this series, we're taking a look at some of those instances and what those look like. So you can catch up on our podcast if you'd like to see what we've been talking about, and we'll be doing this for the next couple of weeks. Uh, And this morning, we're going to be talking about one of the fishing stories. And like most fishing stories, it's kind of a whopper. And that's what happens with fishing stories is, is they seem to kind of grow out of proportion, right? The fish that you caught was always a little bit bigger, and the one that got away was always a lot bigger than perhaps it may have seemed on that morning. But, but fishing stories tend to kind of get extra- stretched and made larger and bigger. And as we look at this story in particular this morning, we're going to see kind of a, a say, some of those ideas happen, but a little bit differently. Uh, in fact, the story kind of goes the opposite way for the disciples. Now, I'm going to uh, share the story from Scripture, and I want you to pay attention because there's a couple of unique, maybe odd features that stand out as we, le- as we do this. And, and I, I want to see if you kind of catch on or pick up on any of those features. So I'm reading this morning from John chapter 21, beginning in verse 1 through 14. It says, Later Jesus appeared again to his disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. Now this is the Sea of Galilee. This is the large lake about the size of Lake Apopka that Jesus did most of his life and ministry around. If you read a story in the Gospels, most likely it takes place around this sea. It's got different names. Sea of Galilee, Sea of Tiberias, Lake Gennaret, all the same. This is how it happened. Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, Zebedee's sons, and two other disciples were together. Simon Peter told them, I'm going fishing. They said, we'll go with you. They set out in a boat, but throughout the night, They caught nothing. Nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't recognize that it was Jesus. Jesus called to them, Children, have you caught anything to eat? No, they answered him. He cast your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they did. There were so many fish that they couldn't haul it in the net. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he wrapped his coat around himself, for he was naked, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they weren't far from shore, only about 100 yards. When they landed, they saw a fire there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you just caught. Simon Peter got up and pulled the net to shore. It was full of large fish, 153 of them. 
yet the net hadn't torn even with so many fish. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples could bring themselves to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. Now this is the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. And there's a lot, a lot in the story that we could really dig into and talk about this morning. I want to kind of focus our attention on a couple of things. Uh, the first one was that as we begin the story, we notice that for the disciples, normal isn't working anymore. Normal isn't working anymore for the disciples. I want to rewind the tape a little bit and remind us just how frustrating this scene must have been for these followers of Jesus. There's seven disciples who are listed, and uh, there was 12 originally. Remember, Judas uh, betrayed Jesus, and so we're down to 11. So we can see that Jesus told the disciples when they were in Jerusalem on the Easter morning to go ahead to Galilee and to meet him there, and they did. And now they're kind of wondering, we're here. Now what are we supposed to do? They're not exactly sure what comes next, and so they're not sure what to do with their time. And so Peter, who was a fisherman, who was, as his livelihood, as, as his job was a commercial fisherman, said to the others, let's go fishing. And I think the subtext was, because I'm not sure exactly what else we're supposed to do in this time and in this season. Now the others who were with him, uh, there was a couple others who were listed. Perhaps there were some others who were part of that group that weren't mentioned. But we know from reading the scripture that there was Simon Peter. Perhaps one of the two disciples that was mentioned was Peter's brother, Andrew, who was also a fisherman. And as we look at this particular story, it reminds me of Matthew chapter 4. Now this takes us all the way back to the beginning of the story of Jesus. It's when he begins his ministry, and he's out walking by the same lake, Lake Galilee, the Sea of Gennesaret, and well, I'll read the scripture for you. It says, As Jesus walked alongside the Galilee Sea, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, throwing fishing nets into the sea because they were fishermen. This was their job, their livelihood. They were commercial fishermen. And in those days, the kind of nets they would use uh, would be more like a dragnet, uh, stationed between two boats so they could catch large quantities of fish. From the shore, Jesus says, Come and follow me, and I'll show you how to fish for people. Right away, they left their nets and followed him. Continuing on, he saw another set of brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with Zebedee, their father, repairing their nets. Now, now these two brothers, uh, you might know them by other names too. They, they have a nickname that Jesus gave them, the Sons of Thunder. Perhaps the best nickname ever given by anyone. Uh, but this is how, how Jesus referred to them in other places in the gospel as the sons of thunder. Uh, sounds like an 80s rock band. But they were in the boat with their father Zebedee. And when Jesus called them, immediately they left their boat and they followed him. So I want you to keep these two stories together because they matter. The beginning story is one of, of Peter and Andrew and James and John, and they're all fishing because that's their livelihood, and Jesus calls out to them, come and follow me, three years before the story we just read, and they leave their livelihood, and they follow Jesus. 
And we could probably make some parallels about this today. They willingly left their livelihood. Others have been placed into a different type of boat in this season. But they left where they were, and they followed Jesus in a new and challenging way. And, and he shifts what they do. He says, you, you fished for people, or you fished for fish, and now you will fish for people. And the idea was, was that following Jesus, they were going to be helping to catch people and bring them into the kingdom of God, into the grace and the love and the forgiveness and the acceptance of God. And so Jesus was taking a connection to say, you know, you used to do this and you know how to do that. Take those skills and that livelihood that you learned and apply it to God's kingdom work. In the kingdom of God, nothing is wasted. Our work life and those things that we've learned can help us to reach and connect with people in genuine and authentic ways for God. And so, of course, that story fast-forwards three years ahead to the place where we read earlier, after the resurrection. And here we find these disciples who, remember, for at least 30 years, they're probably about the same age as Jesus, age as Jesus, were fishermen. And they'd grown up as fishermen, and they lived in fishing villages. And so how frustrating it must have been that morning when, after fishing all night long, and that was the time you were supposed to fish back then. That made sense. That was when the fish were biting, and the net they would have used that day would have been more of a cast net because it tells us that there wasn't a second boat, at least. And how frustrating it must have been for them to not catch anything, not even, not even a little minnow or, or a guppy or, or just a little something that they could at least exaggerate and say, no, the fish was like, well, it's at least this big. They got nothing to brag about. They know that they were told to go to Galilee and to meet Jesus. They knew that they were in a holding pattern of what comes next, and when, and how, and why. That their life had radically changed as a result of this one person. And yet, they couldn't make it work in the way that they used to. And I think that in these uncertain times that they were experiencing— they did what we did. We revert to what we know when we're not sure what to do next. And they knew fishing, so they went and did that. Notice a couple of ways that this was different for them. The Bible tells us that they were only about 100 yards offshore, and so perhaps one of their challenges was that they were just fishing in the shallow waters. They weren't getting out deep where the big fish are. They were fishing in the shallows. They were using one net instead of a large net to catch a lot of fish, so perhaps they weren't trying as hard as they used to. And it seems to imply that they were simply looking for something to do to pass the time. You know, what's on Netflix now? What new releases have come out? What's been posted on social media in the last 15 minutes since I last checked it? Has the mail come yet? Can we get the mail? The disciples are simply looking for something to do to pass the time that's in front of them. And it seems to me as I read this passage, it's not stated in Scripture, but my understanding of what they might have been going through was that they were tired, they were unsure and uncertain, and perhaps they were depressed. Everything had changed, and we knew that Easter changes everything, but there was still a lot of uncertainty in those times. And how frustrating for these disciples who can't even do the thing that they know how to do, that they're good at, that they've always done, that's always been natural. Their fishing mission has failed, and their goals have been left unachieved. They don't know a way forward, 
And the way backwards isn't working either at this point for them. So as Jesus appears on the shore, what he's doing is inviting them into a new normal, which involves a couple of things. Hopefully one of the things that you picked up as we read the scripture was the the Easter flashback as we began. Notice how this passage begins. It says, uh, Later Jesus appeared to them, the disciples, by the Sea of Tiberias. And that sounds a lot like Easter morning, a few verses back when it says it was still the first day of the week and the disciples were hidden and Jesus appears to them, or at the tomb, when the women go to prepare the body and Jesus appears to them in the morning. So we've got these, these things. So as we're reading it, we're thinking, okay, I see where this is going. There's morning for the disciples, and, and then Jesus appears. We, we can see where this is going. The disciples, I'm sure, weren't putting all that together at that point. But the person in front of them appears to be a stranger, and at first, they don't know what you and I know as we read. They don't know that this is Jesus on the shore calling out to them. All they know is they have been wildly unsuccessful all night, and now it's morning. They don't even have any fish to throw on the fire for themselves for a breakfast. And so what Jesus does is he invites them to do something different. And he says to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat. Now, we assume that probably they were fishing the other side of the boat, the left side of the boat, and he says to cast the net on the right side, and if they're like me, their thought is like, yeah, we, we, we fish that side too, Jesus, or stranger. <laughs> we'll give that a shot. I love the willingness of the disciples that even though they don't know who this stranger is, they're willing to give it a try. They're willing to try something different. And what I see in this particular part here is when Jesus calls them to cast the net on the right side, that what he's asking them to do is to try on a different perspective. And while they were oriented one way, to shift their focus in the boat to the other way. And while they think that they're still fishing, what Jesus knows is that he's inviting them to realize that what we had done as normal, what we always could have done and could have relied on and could have fallen back to, Jesus is once again asking them to shift their perspective into something that is radically new, that is radically different, and that is a new normal that will challenge them in new and fresh ways, but is the way of the kingdom, a way of orienting ourselves towards the mission that God has called us to. And whether for the disciples that means that they leave behind their job as fishermen, or if perhaps some of us the jobs have been left behind for us, perhaps we're looking towards a new normal or something that is different or something that we've been kind of pushed towards as a way of making things work in this season. But what we can see in this is that Jesus is with them in this pivot and in this shift. And so as he invites them to go from that present to the new position, Uh, what happens is it begins to reveal a couple of things for them. The first, probably very obvious revelation for the disciples is one that comes from John 15, 15, where Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And if that verse flashed in any of their heads that morning, they're thinking, well, great. Now because of Jesus, I can't even do the thing that I used to know how to do. And it was a reminder to them, if they thought back on this experience, that apart from God, that they can't do anything, but with God, all things are possible. They realize that they're not going to go backwards at this point. That 
fishing is something that they could do, and perhaps on another day they'd have a better catch and better luck, but God has called them into something different, a new way of being in the world, to be fishers of people. And one of the things that caught my attention this week as I came to this passage again, and and perhaps I hope it caught your attention too, was the number of fish. Did you catch that? It it said there was 153 fish. That's a very specific number, isn't it? And it's interesting, and it should catch our attention because it's something out of the ordinary. As you read your Bible, if you're new to reading Scripture or want to get into it, I'd encourage you to pay attention to those things that jump out as hmm, that's interesting, or that's odd, or that's unique. These are often ways that the biblical authors, or perhaps God is trying to speak to us and call our attention to stuff. So 153 large fish, it's a number that is odd and specific. It's a large number, but it's not a round number. It wasn't 100 fish or 150 fish. It's not a symbolic number like 12 or 7 would have been to catch. It's not an approximate number like the writers often use to say there were 5,000 people gathered, and we know that there were probably a lot more. It's also not an estimated number. As they might say, it was two or three pounds, somewhere in between. It wasn't an estimate. What this number tells us is that they must have counted the catch. The only way to know there's 153 fish there is if they took time to count every single fish that was caught on that morning. And that must have been what happened because that's the number that we have. John wants to make sure that we understand and that we catch this important detail. Now, commentators and biblical scholars through the centuries have come up with all kinds of creative thoughts as to what this could be, including lots of math numbers where if you add this and add that and take away this and add this, then it ties the whole thing together, and it feels kind of like Da Vinci Code-ish and very, like, beautiful-mind-ish, but it doesn't really kind of net a lot of um, results. I think rather than trying to figure out the significance of, of 153 and numerology and all those things, we can simply understand that every fish mattered. That this is a reminder to us that in the resurrection of Jesus, that the disciples' call was to become fishers of people, and that every single fish matters. That's a significant point for us. That's something that you and I can take and the disciples could take and work with. What it tells us is that God counts one by one. That's a good message for us in this time where perhaps we feel like there are large numbers coming out each day, whether it's related to the virus or to unemployment or to what comes next. A lot of times it's just large lumped together numbers And those numbers matter, and what this scripture tells us is that God knows each number, each person, that every single fish is counted and matters and is known by God. It reminds us of the way that Jesus would often leave the crowd of people to connect with one person. That if there was one person who was suffering among a crowd of people, that person always captured the attention of Jesus and drew their focus to them. They mattered. Their life mattered. They were significant. Even if they were a person who most of society said, you are not significant, or you are not included, or you're not acceptable to the religious elite. Jesus made sure we knew that those mattered 
And one of the other interesting points about this is that with a large capture of fish, a large gathering of fish, the net was not torn. Uh, And the word there is the word schism. And that's a word that we use in church a lot of times to talk about a schism between churches when churches will split, whether it's denominations or groups or individual churches. And we're told that the net didn't split. I'm thankful to our bishop for the state of Florida, Bishop Carter, for bringing this up on our trip to Israel. A reminder that the Church of Jesus Christ, though individual factions of it may split and may splinter and pull away, that in the economy of God, all things are kept together, and that there is a unity in believers. What this tells me in this season is how amazing it has been to see how churches in particular, when they experience something, you know, let me say it this way, churches are used to large gatherings, and now we can't do them. And so many people thought, well, there goes the church. And while the way we do church is different, as you can see, what we realize is that the church is not split, that the mission of God still goes forward. And we can see this illustrated right here. What Jesus does for these disciples is to call them and to call us to a new normal as followers. And you and I know well that new normals are far from easy, They are far from comfortable. In fact, they are often very uncomfortable and very uneasy because the things that we knew how to do, we can't rely on as we find a new focus and a new hope and a new way forward. For the disciples, fishing made sense. And for us as followers, fishing makes sense. I may not know much about fishing, but I can go to Walmart, or at least I could have gone to Walmart into the fishing section and picked out the gear that I would need to have probably a successful fishing trip. We could get a license, we could watch videos on YouTube, but this idea of fishing for people, you can't buy that in a package at Walmart, an Evangelism 101 package right there next to uh, the chips and, and on the other side of the sodas. You can't buy that at Walmart, right? It's not a kit you can get. It's a lifestyle, and it's something we have to practice and live into. It's something that the disciples would have to live into in the days and weeks and years that would come after Jesus' resurrection. They would have to learn new ways of taking everything that God had taught them in their life and in their career and apply it to how they connect with others and share the good news. And my hunch is the world then was a lot like the world today, desperately in need of good news. Desperately in need of connection and hope. Desperately in need of someone who understands a call to pivot from what we have done to where we are going. And so this scripture should challenge and change us this morning to see our life and our work, whatever that looks like in this season, as something of service to God. And maybe this changes our allegiance where before we thought about how we worked for a company or for a group or we did this with our life and and these things have changed. And perhaps this helps us to shift our thinking and reorient ourselves to say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Or perhaps for the first time, maybe we can identify ourselves as that way, a follower of Jesus Christ, and see our life and our purpose in new and fresh ways. So I hope what we walk away with this morning is a reminder that every person matters, that every person that we see online, whether we agree or disagree with them, matters, and is known and is seen by God in the same way that you are known and seen by God. And if you have ever been made to feel less than or or left out, or set aside, whether by others, by cliques, by, by bullies, 
whether it was by churches who just said, you don't belong because of a lifestyle or a practice or because of who you are or what you look like. That Jesus counts every single one and knows that everyone is valuable and valued. And may we create the kind of church community here at Citrus where every person is valued and loved and welcomed and accepted. And where all of us are together on a journey of discipleship, we don't know what it looks like, we're not sure exactly where we're going, but we're in this thing together. And so I'm thankful to be in this with you all. I'm, I'm thankful that at least even though I can't see anyone, I can see on my screen here a stream of people, and I can see your faces as it kind of pulls those comments in from Facebook. I'm thankful for the ways that we feel like we're not alone. I want to offer you something practical this week, and we started this last week. I, I don't have anything better than to just kind of hold this up to the screen. Uh, it's our daily questions for quarantine. And last week we asked the question of who am I checking in on or connecting with today? And I'd like to offer you a different question today. It's further down on the list. What expectations of normal am I letting go of today? What expectations of normal am I letting go of today? Um, now, if, if they can, Casey or Janet, if you'll share that link that we used last week in the comments, you can uh, print this out and you can put it on your refrigerator for yourself. These are daily ways that we can focus ourselves on Jesus in this season. Thanks for listening. Make sure to visit our website, citruschurch.org. If you found refreshments in this message, share it with a friend. And hey, God loves you.